Hi, everyone. Hi. And welcome to another edition of Superman's Other Pals, a podcast where I, Gary Rowland, discuss the Silver Age comic book Sil- Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen with my teenage daughter, Ella Plum Rowland. And today, we have a special guest. You may have heard me refer to this guest on a, never, on a number of occasions. <laughs> We always said that if he uh, was ever on a show, that there would be a Chiron underneath him that would say, noted crackpot. So. Wait, what? Yes. Yeah. Uh, So I will uh, will say that this person is my brother and noted crackpot, Mike Chaplinsky. Hi, everybody. (laughs) Yeah, um. You, well, Jen, Jen Ventimiglia many years ago referred to me as a crackpot. Ah. Uh. And I said, oh, come on, I'm not just a crackpot. She's like, fine, noted crackpot. So. All right. So, yeah, so that's. Okay, so uh, we are right now recording uh, from a remote location, which is probably why it may sound a little different. And if not, and if it doesn't sound a little different, then uh, I'm just telling you anyway. Well, there you go. That we are recording from my mother's house in Middletown, Delaware. Yay, Middletown, Delaware. It is a place. I don't know. I'm here for my birthday. It is um, a place. And we... Well, we didn't decide. I decided that this would be a good opportunity since my brother Mike was here. Yep. And uh, he knows a thing or two about comics and... And I, I'm a big fan. I would listen to this podcast even if you weren't my brother and niece, respectively. He also is... Has been a very long time. Nerd. Would they call it a fanboy? Yeah, I have no problem with that. I'm a fanboy. I'm a huge fanboy. And I mean, nerd. since before Comic Con sold out. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I've been I've been reading comics since the seventies. So you know he he has some knowledge and things to say. So I thought he would make a good guest. And if anybody here does have any complaints, please. Write it illuminated on illuminated parchment. parchment. Right, with heraldically correct. Heraldically correct, and please send it to me. Uh, and uh, you know, preferably we'll, via via carrier owl. We'll we'll handle it then. Yeah. Okay, so this is issue number forty-seven. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. It was released in September nineteen sixty, uh, which of course means. August. It was August. actually released in June, June, July. Uh, I keep saying this every time, but yeah, I don't know. You know, I don't know if people really need to know about all that. Well, no, it is. Um, I know it, it. It it always confused me about the cover dates on things, and it's nice to know that there's a three month lag time. Yeah, that uh, the date has to do with when they come off the shelves, as opposed to when they go on the shelves. Yes, uh, and this is all fascinating to the listening audience. <laughs> so. Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, what happens when Jimmy and Superman... Okay, so, it is a green cover. And Very green. on it, it says, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen. And it says, see what happens when Jimmy and Superman become the monsters from Earth. And here we see the robot monster guy that was introduced, I think, in issue 43. 
three. Yes. We're still not sure whether it's a living thing or a robot. They call it a robot. They call it a monster, but it does look very, very robot-y. There's, there's definitely, like, a brain in there. So, right. you know, they're like a Dalek kind of a thing. I guess, yeah. All right, so uh, the robot is saying, I hate building these lifelike robots of Jimmy Olsen and Superman, but they'll make shocking monsters for our next horror movie. Yes. And uh, so he is building, you know, what, it's, what obviously looks like uh, two robotic Jimmy Olsen and Supermans. Yep. So, and so this is, I think this might be one of the first sort of sequels in Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. I do believe you are Elastic correct. Elastic Lad. Oh, right, right, right. That's true. Elastic well, Lad. You can't count, I mean, oh, Mr. Oh. or Doc Professor Potter is a recurring character, but no. there's no direct sequel. But this is the first time, like, there was like a, there was like a storyline and... I guess maybe the first recurring character. No, no, this no, no. This is this is the first true sequel, from what I remember. Uh, okay, so we. I guess we'll discuss that when we get in. Yes. So uh, we start as we always start. Uh, we finish the cover, and now we're on the inside cover, where uh, we are now with. So it is the ad of uh, uh, my friend and your friend, an unsung hero of the. Stop being scrawny movement. Hey, I can see your ribs. Uh, George Jowett. Right. Or Jowett. I don't really know. Every month, you know, somebody, and it's it's either Joe Weider, Charles Atlas. Or this guy. Or this guy. And, you know, of course, Charles Atlas, very famous. World's most perfectly developed body. Um, this guy, not so much. Well, jo- jo- well that, uh, not as well known. No. Uh, you know, Charles Atlas and Joe Weider, they both went on to huge success. Yes. Meanwhile, George Jowett. I'm going to lay on Jowett. I think that's going to be Jowett my... sounds right. Yeah. And of course, if anybody out there uh, does know the proper pronunciation. Yeah. The parchment. parchment. Yeah. All right. So it says here, uh, you're uh, skinny, fat. 15, 20, 30, or 40 years of age. I'll build you a new athletic, mighty-muscled, all-male He-Man. And then it has, of course, the you, you get, of course, the books, which includes my favorite, um, How to Develop a Mighty Grip. Because it's all about, I feel like it's all yeah. about the grip. And I feel like that's what he had over the other people. So it's not as visually appealing, though, as, you know, the kicking the sand in the face. Right. Or the mail fraud in the case of Joe Weider. <laughs> Which brings us to our first story. Yay. Would would one of you like to read this, or would you like me to read this? Um, I'll give it a try. Yeah. Okay. All right. <clears throat> oh, hold on. Hold on. Let me... Oh, yeah. Thank you. Let me bump it up. Hold Zoom on. Out. Oh, perfect. Hold on. So now, coming up to the microphone, uh-huh. um, my brother, who has had a many-storied career... In radio. Well, yeah. And now... I have a face for it, certainly. He's stepping up. He's looking over the copy. He's getting ready to read it. And so any moment now we'll be hearing from... We'll be hearing from Avast as it pops up on the screen there. He will be hearing from... Mike 
Chaplinsky. Thank you, Any time now. He's figuring it out. He's trying very hard. A man who has taught me things. A man who was once uh, stopped by police. Yes. For carrying a machine gun. Well. Which turned out to be a toy machine gun. It was a water gun. And uh, so any moment now, he will be reading. See, uh, for those of you sitting at home, (laughs) the best part of this podcast is always that, you know, you can sense when Ella Plum's eyes are rolling after her father goes on. And I can now see it. And that really, that touches me. All right. Here he is. Your friend and mine. Tower of Power, Man of the Hour, too sweet to be sour. Woo! Uh, 350 pounds of twisted steel and sex appeal. Mike, my brother, noted crackpot. (laughs) Chaplinsky. Chaplinsky. Take it away, Mike. Dad, shush. (laughs) Thank you. In his career as a cub reporter for the Daily Planet, Jimmy Olsen has worn many disguises in order to get a big scoop. At various times, he's played the role of a salesman, a private detective, even a pickpocket. But now he recklessly impersonates the toughest gang leader in Metropolis as a dangerous masquerade wherein Jimmy poses as the king of crime. Okay, so... It is the king of crime. Oh, you know, just to let everybody know, yes. people have often said that my brother Mike's voice and my voice are very similar. Very similar. Then not really. Well, it because I when you if we aren't thinking about it, we do sound very much alike. So I was thinking maybe I start talking in an accent. Like what kind of <laughs> what kind of accent would you like a Cockney accent, maybe? Chinese. Chi- oh, that works. Oh, yeah, that would that no. will that'll go over very well. Uh, no, uh, well, you know, I guess figure it out. All right, yeah. so we. So that, I just wanted to let everybody know that sometimes uh, my brother Mike and I uh, are mistaken for each other. each other on the phone. So perhaps you have that or not, and if you don't, that's great. Anyway, so first panel, and a guy. Two guys are carrying a tub full of kryptonite. And it's, it says, a lu- it's a lu- it's a lump of kryptonite. It's an entire lump. Here's the kryptonite, boss. Now tell us how we can use it to bump off Superman. And in the front, we see a man who looks exactly like Jimmy Olsen. No, 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 no. no, no actually, he looks exactly like Lex Luthor. And it, the, see, the, the interesting thing, and it, I've just realized it looking at it, he doesn't just look like Lex Luthor from 1960. He looks, he like, looks like, like modern Lex, Lex Luthor. Right. He looks like modern day Lex yes. Luthor, not Silver Age Lex Luthor. It's yes. Silver Age Lex Luthor, which has the giant sort of pink Elvis shirt with the right. black and don't forget the bandoliers. Right, with the with oh, the black God. bandoliers and the and the pants. Yeah, it's kind of like a pan Mexican pirate looking. What the thing. hell even is that costume? So instead of that, awesome is what it is, but that's just me. <laughs> instead of that, it's a, yeah, it is like a modern day Lex Luthor, bald guy no. in a nicely tailored suit. So he's not as angular as Lex Luthor, but he's close. On first glance, I thought it was Lex. I thought, ooh, Lex Luthor is in Jimmy Olsen, but no. Okay, so um, the guy, so this person says, "Oh, it's a cinch, boys. Just listen." And then in thought bubble, 
just because I've got my head shaved, they think I'm Winky McCoy, the king of crime. And if I don't help them destroy Superman, I'm really... They'll suspect I'm really Jimmy Olsen. This is uh, the sort of the, the plot of yep. the whole thing. The plot of the whole thing is that a jailbreak has happened, and what has happened is escaped from jail is crime king Winky McCoy. In a, in a scenario almost exactly like the, the movie The Fugitive. I guess, but there's no one-armed man. No, but and, it, it's a bus accident. And everybody knows exactly that he actually okay, did so all those Okay, so it's really crimes. nothing like The Fugitive, but there is a bus crash. All right. Jimmy Olsen has decided that he it's, is... Go ahead. He's going to masquerade as Winky McCoy to find the gang that he leads in order to take them all down. Right. Which is a stupid idea. Well, I guess... It's it's not a... I, anyway. It's, it's immersive gonzo journalism. He's, again, he's a trendsetter. So, to become this guy, he's like, he looks at... The, he, he gets his file, and he takes out... He, like, looks at... He looks at some of his mannerisms. So he figures, I'm going to, uh, you know... I'm going to develop some of his mannerisms. And then he shaves his head, and... And covers up Covers up all his freckles. With the makeup and the scar. But and, the thing is... Scar. That's it. He's still Jimmy Olsen. Well, but see, the whole thing is that he looked at, except for the fact that he's bald, Winky looks like Jimmy. That's the, that's the shtick here. So he decides, wait, wait, is it that he doesn't? I don't, yes. Do well, they Jimmy say says, that he looks like him? Yeah, Jimmy says, if you read, it, it says, oh, I look like him. Yeah, see where it says? With, with a bald head, I'm a dead ringer for Winky. Right. I don't know. Anyway, that could be wishful so, thinking on Jimmy's and part. And also, but I mean, part yeah. of it is, of course, that just being bald in at nineteen in nineteen sixty, yes. it meant that you were either Yul Brenner, Telly Savalas, or somebody with lice. Yes, exactly. So, I, and I imagine that people would just stare at his bald head, and that would go a long way. So, I in, feel his pain. In uh, I escaped from I am a fugitive from a chain gang style. He puts on some clothes and and runs into his old buddies, his old... Winky's old buddies. Right, Winky's old gang. So f the first thing is they ask if... They, they, they do catch him on his voice, but he does the smart thing, or what often happens. Yes. Whenever like somebody feels like they get caught, the thing that you automatically go to is... is violence. Well, yes. em emotional indignance. Yes. And that's supposed to like scare the guy off and not go... You know, it's not like yeah. after he gets smacked, he's like, you know, okay, you smacked me, but you still kind of don't sound like him. But the the smack, I guess, uh, changed his hearing. And <laughs> yes, <laughs> that it could be. Well, it's also attitude covers for everything, you know. Right. So then they go back to his. They go back to his warehouse. Right. I remember this. Should so we, well, I think at this point we should point out that the nickname Winky is going to play into the plot. So he goes back. He goes to his. Their, their hideout, and he sees, he's like, hey, you got a, you got a, quite an arsenal here. You've got Tommy guns, mm -hmm. TNT, and, and even a crate of blackjacks. Okay. Clearly marked do you, crate of blackjacks. Do you know what blackjacks are? No, not really. Okay, uh, so blackjack is essentially a leather pouch 
that is filled with iron or filings lead, or lead shot or lead shot something or, heavy something heavy so basically you throw it at people? no you hold it it's a little club basically so the classic thing in the movies is to either use it to a uh hit somebody on the back of the head and knock them unconscious or b torture them like try and beat information out of them. yeah Okay. So the whole point is it doesn't leave as big a mark as a wooden club would. But what I would say is, if I was going to list three lethal weapons, the capper wouldn't be blackjacks. Right. (laughs) And you certainly wouldn't necessarily want to mark the box unless, you know... I would would think it would be more more important to mark, like, which ones have the guns in it, but that's just me. Right. And, Mm -hmm. of course, we only see one Tommy gun. We'll assume that there are more Tommy guns out of frame. So, you know, he, of course, yes. Those, Maybe he's just surprised that they have it. Those, he's like, and even a crate of blackjacks, okay. Those incredibly dangerous, I mean, you know, I guess, okay, so I guess if you had a blackjack that was full of kryptonite, that would be very, 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 yes. very effective. Yes. yes. That would be excellently effective against Superman. But luckily, this is not a case. So, go, so what happens next? Well, what happens next? It looks like is, you know, he's 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 sat down and they're they're splitting up the loot from the thing that Winky got arrested. The real Winky got arrested for, and one of his guys is saying, "Hey, you know, we've got to." take this stuff up down to a fence in Mexico. And then Jimmy, thinking very quickly, says, okay, you know, I want my... He's like, well, I can't let this happen. So he, he, he demands his half of it because he's the boss. And he sends the other half down with the guy to the airport. But he tips off the police first. And how does he tip off the police? This is actually very smart. <laughs> is uh, the guy who is supposed to fly down to Mexico, Jimmy has taped a sign to his back. Now, one of the frames you can see in the background, oh, it says TNT there is a scene that, there's a sign that says TNT danger. So Jimmy has taken that sign and has now put it on the back of this guy. But the other, the, the other, and this, this was, I was amazed at how subtle this was. He also makes the guy nervous by telling him, if you see the cops run, proving that criminals aren't necessarily the smartest guys in the world. But they are a cowardly and superstitious lot, lot who right. are dreadfully afraid of bats yes so um <laughs> but bats are cute they are but you know anyway why aren't all police dressed as bats that would be my question is if if everybody knows that, that criminals a are a cowardly and superstitious lot and yeah. the reason why batman became bat is batman is because well that's because it was the first thing he saw like if he was in china and he saw like a red panda but that's copyrighted. That's another podcast. Let's go on. But um, so yeah, so as you know, by th- by that logic, all police officers should be dressed as a bat. Yes. No, so because it loses its novelty. Yes. Well, but cowardly. But, yeah. But on that earth, then instead of dressing like a bat, Batman dresses like a police, <laughs> and so therefore he's policeman. All right. I think we've got off track. <laughs> so see, I am a fan of this podcast. So the police, of course, catch. The guy who's flying to Mexico. And he's like, how'd you know all this? And they were like, dude, you ha- you are literally walking around with a sign that says TNT danger on your back. 
once you again, you just proved that you were doing something wrong when once everyone was staring at you, you booked it. Once again, big kudos to that guy DC. who works at DC who's in charge of making the signs. Yes. In- very, very cutting, cutting edge truth and labeling. Is what so, back at the hideout, the guys... So, while Jimmy's trying to figure out how to call Superman and get him back to this, the guys show up, and they show up with an enormous hunk of kryptonite. Yes. Where did they even find something that big and that round and like that perfectly it, proportioned or did It looks like it, it looks like a cake. It looks like something from like Cake Boss. It looks like a giant wheel of cheese. Right. Yes. It is. Yes. Yeah, so and they decide that it'll fit perfectly inside of oh, a bass drum. A bass drum. A marching bass drum. Yes. And so it'll be inside, kryptonite will be inside and then Superman will show up. It'll, you know, affect him and right. then we can go off Superman and take him out with our large blackjacks. Right, with our blackjacks. Right, because it actually in the, the scene where where Jimmy is putting the the kryptonite into the into the drum. Yes, you can drum. see very right, very clearly marked. There's a box of of blackjacks. Yeah, that's because it plays a role in the next thing. Right. So then uh, the next day, Superman is there and he's dedicating this thing, and the drums are there, but. Nothing has happened. And so what you find out is that he has taken all of the lead from the blackjacks. Melted it down. Yep. And made it into a... Covering for the inside. Right. Yeah, he coated the inside of the bass drum. Now. However. (laughs) Go ahead. You would be able to hear the difference. Oh, well, it, yes. Like, clear as day. Well, like, it wouldn't be a drum anymore. No, well, it the, would just be a thing that you're hitting. Right. The, well, but yeah, first of all, the guy holding the drum would be bent over. It would be so much heavier. Well, to be right. fair, they do have a line there. He's like, he, he basically says, oh my God, I was carrying this. He talks about. And the other, but the other thing is, like, okay, so he empties all this lead out and then he has to melt the lead. So, like, why don't the guys come in and go, hey, what is that awful smell? <laughs> because the, probably the, idea, home at that point. the idea of lead melting is not a very odor-free experience. No, not at all. So, like, so basically, I guess these guys have... Well, yeah, but he's the boss. They, are, the they are anosmic. That could be. Uh, do you know what anosmic means? No. It means you don't smell. have... You don't have a sense of smell, but oh. all the rest of your senses are really, really right. sharpened as a result. Right. <laughs> super. That was the early draft. Early drafts of Daredevil were kind of they were working it out, you know. So <laughs> the mask looked weird without the anyway. So um, <laughs> he. So basically, they figure out that in fact um, he's maybe he's not. Uh, Winky. Because a federal agent right. comes in and then he says he's going to kill him, but then he doesn't kill him. And then Winky actually gets caught on the TV and they're all watching it and they're like, Yes. So you're not Winky. Right. And we know you're not Winky. So now we're going to have to kill you. And then the FBI account agent comes in just in the nick of time and is like, Thank you for signaling us with your winking and Morse code. Right. Because. The reason they call him Winky is he has a nervous tick. And Jimmy Olsen knew that every FBI agent 
understands Morse code. And they're also looking. Yes. For any for any opportunity to <laughs> exactly. read Morse code. Like, so he he blinked he basically blinked to the guy, I have blanks in this gun, act like you're dead when I shoot you. Oh, like so Didn't they also noticed that, you know, he's not bleeding. Where was that? Like that was a thing. Like a guy was being held, and I want to say he was a POW. Yes, and Viet- it was in like in, a in the Vietnam War. It was Vietnam. Okay. He was one of. He was one of. He was actually. He was not John McCain, but he was someone who was captured around the same time John McCain was. So, do you think that maybe the reason why he used Morse code blinking is because he was a fan of he he read this episode this issue of Jimmy. Well, Olsen? now you know. <laughs> Maybe, because he might have been uh, like, you know... Right, because it's 1960, so it is pre... Yeah, this is uh, anyway, eight years anyway. Uh, somehow I feel as though We've we have gotten, gotten off track. track. So it goes to our first... Um, so P.S., you know, everything is fine. Right. And then the FBI agent says, Right, Jimmy, uh, when I rush back here to save you as you save me in the wink of an eye, because no one can just end a, sh- a story. They always have to stick and in. And then, you know, in, in later generations, it will be followed by laughing, and then Warp Factor 3, Mr. Sulu. Right. <laughs> or David Caruso putting on his right. glasses. Exactly. Taking off his glasses. So, that's for those that all the non yes, Star, Star Trek, Trek people. Fans. Yes, yeah, well, you know. Because that, that's it. If you're not a Star Trek fan, you're a CSI yeah. Miami fan. Yeah, that's fair. All right, so then it brings us to an ad, and the ad says... Uh, we have been hearing it uh, much ballyhooed in the uh, pen pal section, in the Jimmy's pen pal section. Uh, it is the presenting super, the greatest Superman stories ever told, which is the the annual, where basically they take the best stories of the year and they cram them all into one, one, reprint. Yeah. one reprint, where everything is reprints. And it's the giant Superman annual, and it, you will see... Superman's first exploits. Read the first Supergirl story. Learn how Jimmy Olsen met Superboy. See the origin of Laurie the Mermaid. This is the one that I just noticed, which fills me with dread. Witness the execution of Crypto. No! <laughs> that is sad. No, 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 that no, is, no, 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 that no, is no. Ex- yes. no, no. Well, we all know that he makes it. Because he's from Krypton, and, you know, no. they can... But also, so... You know. There was that story where Crypto came back. No killing Crypto. And how he, um, right, uh, like not only did he, like drink from something and became super young, but came back at totally at random and destroyed Cersei's wand. No Crypto. Um, no killing. I'm sure Crypto, crypto. would be. Was and then fine. finally, from Lois Lane number one, the Witch of Metropolis. So uh, it says, plus many other favorite stories of yesteryear, last year. Uh, On sale everywhere. And then we have... Now, this uh, is new. I don't remember ever seeing this in this before. This is new. Well, it's kind of It's an ad, but yeah. It's an ad, and it shows you, like, what's wrong here? And so if you find the things that are wrong in the picture, you can buy a slim notepad for $1.50. Yep. And then, you know, it's, I'm sure it's like a little, like it's much smaller than it sort of looked. Yeah. But, uh, but what you also find out is that this is sort of a dodge to get you to sell greeting cards. Yes. Woohoo! Because, you know, as we all know, 
before I think laws were actually made about it. Yes. Uh, if you were a seed card or salve company, yep. you wanted children to be your workforce. So that brings us to our second story. Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen. Do you want to read it? Sure. Okay. Coming up to read now. Bloody, bloody, blah, get on with it. I will zoom in. I will make the text larger so that Ella Plum can look and listen and learn. The, well, this whole this whole thing is really a learning experience for her. And so she's reading the text. She's wiping her nose with her hand. Ew. And she's flicking her father. She's, her eyes are rolling like she's going downhill. She's gently smirking. She's flicking her father repeatedly. <laughs> and she is coming up to the microphone. Any moment now, we will hear the words of Ella Plum Roland, Derby Diva. Skater. Derby Diva. No. Don't look at uh, me like skater, that. I'm not, your, I'm not your father. Skater. <laughs> student. Percussion expert. Uh, you are. No, I'm really not. Dad flicker. <laughs> Much put upon teenager. L Plum. Roland. Anytime you're ready. Whenever you're ready, just, just, just say it out. Anytime. For those of you watching at home, Ella Plum has just plucked the glasses off her father's head. Here she is. Uh, what youngster hasn't dreamed of being grown up? And what great things he will do after reaching manhood. But teenage Jimmy Olsen doesn't only dream of it, he finds out exactly what it's really like. Yes, the former cub reporter and boy pal of Superman learns all about being a man the hard way in Jimmy Olsen Grows Up. Okay, so the uh, the first panel has Superman flying into a window, and he sees, uh, so that we see Lois, we see Perry, and we see a guy with red hair who is at a desk that, once again, uh, has been expertly signed Jimmy Olsen reporter. Because you don't, it looks, it's supposed to be, we know that it's Jimmy because he has red hair and he's the only person in Metropolis but with red line, hair. the hairline is different. It doesn't um, say Jimmy, it says James. Oh, right, right. it does. Yeah, so either right. way, so he says, Jimmy, stop smoking that cigar. You're only a boy, huh? And then... <laughs> Jimmy, who is smoking a cigar, says, Take a good look at me, Superman. You're talking to Mr. James Olsen, Sr. Today, I am a man. L'chaim! I am. Really? I don't. Well, that's the whole thing, you know, with, like, when you're bar mitzvah, it's like, Today I'm a man, L'chaim! Because mm -hmm. at least I think it is. And if it isn't, I'm sorry for all my Jewish friends out there. So, and... Just the idea that says, today I am a man. Yes. There's a lot to unpack there. Oh, Lord, yes. And the thing is also that Jimmy Olsen is an orphan. Yes. So we don't know, since we don't know his parents, he could still be James Olsen Sr. He might be. Uh, so, all right. So we start, Jimmy Olsen picks up, is there at the airport to pick up. Oh, oh, by the way, 
on the tarmac watching people descend. Yes, but that this was that was the common thing in 1960. Right. Like yeah, that once again, this was during a time when you could actually go beyond security in the airport. There, well, there was no security at the airport in 1960. Right. So, <laughs> Lucy, so he meets Lucy at the airplane and says, "Hey, why don't we go get some hamburgers?" And Lucy, of course, tells him to buzz off. Uh, says, you know, like, I, I'm not going to get hamburgers. And she says that my tastes are too expensive for you. So then Jimmy goes home. She also home. calls him juvenile. And so Jimmy goes to Perry White to get a raise. And, of course, Perry White says, no. Says, you know, you're only a kid. So I'm only going to pay you like a kid. Yep. Which I don't know. If, uh, That's. Well, I mean, it. it yeah, there's but. It, and it should be pointed out that one of the reasons that Lucy does not want to go with Jimmy is she's hooked up with a pilot. Right. So That, that Lucy Lane gets around. There, again, lots lots to unpack. This was obviously um, before the Me Too movement. And the, um, But the other thing is, like, but Lois doesn't, I don't know, I don't think Lois dates as much as Lucy does. No, not at all. Well, um, Lois, Lois has always is been much more pining after Superman. Right, always trying to trap Superman. Right, but, but to be fair, other except for her her pining after Superman, Lois is very much a career minded. You know, she wants to be a good reporter. But yep. and but you know, she did marry Astonishing Man. That was a, a cover I saw recently. Okay, all right. So uh, of course, so he starts to get this idea that you know he needs to be. So Lois says. Hey, Jimmy, I found this ticket to the Teen Stomp. You'll really enjoy dancing there with the other juveniles. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Because you know how in 1960 everybody called children juvenile. juvenile. Yes. Well, you know, juvenile delinquent. And he gets so mad. Yeah. That he goes, that he to, goes to Professor to... Potter. Right. Yeah, things, you know things are bad. He's like, man, I am so depressed. You know what will cheer me up? Subjecting myself to experiments. <laughs> well, he's turning one way or the other. He's turning to drink. Jimmy then goes to Professor Potter and says, says "I want to grow up. I want to get big," <laughs> which is the entire plot of a uh, Twilight Zone episode featuring That's Mickey right. Rooney. Oh yeah. But yeah. Uh, anyway, so I wonder when that. What now that I'm thinking, you're right, and I wonder when that was. Don't know. I, I bet it was after 1960 because didn't. Oh yeah. Well, uh, fi- I, sorry. Well, we'll. I'll look this up later. Once again, yeah, we're uh, pieces in piece, pieces of pop culture pre Jimmy Olsen predating yes, pieces this is, significant pieces this of is pop culture. Frighteningly prescient. Um, so, so Jimmy drinks the potion, and he says, "I'm." He said, and they say, "Overnight, you will grow. It'll be great." But before he takes it, Professor Potter's like. You do realize that I may not be able to make an antidote for this. You'll be stuck. And he's like, it's fine. And he should, what he should have said is, do you ever have an antidote? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, well, what? you know. And then yeah. he's like, you know, I, I'm also assuming that you don't have the formula anymore, that you've forgotten it. You've just sort of made this stuff at right. random, poured it into a container, and put it away to be <laughs> yes. consumed by me accidentally. Um, so it is too. The next day, he wakes up. He wakes up, he wakes and up. in fact, uh, he has ripped through his pajamas and his and his pants. Later, he says, "Ha ha! 
He's like, did I grow up? Uh, my pajamas ripped because they were only boy sized. Oh and my today God. I am a man. This is. But of course, can't uh, can't uh, avoid saying super duper, which of course, is well, one you know. of his, which is a lesser known catchphrase. But it also his his hair is still red, but his hairline has receded slightly, and yet he has a black mustache, facial hair, and black chest hair. So he decides. So he goes, and you know, because he's a grown up now, he gets to uh, shave. Because I guess he couldn't shave before, but he um, he looks like a used car salesman. So let's he not, he not. shaves himself. Yeah. He and, looks like a redheaded version of Mister Wormwood from Matilda. But the funny thing is, like, so he shaves, but he decides that he's going to keep a pencil thin David Niven esque mustache. Yep. Well, that's because again, nineteen sixty. That was. That, that was, was a thing. In. So he gets rid of all of his. He's like, first I have to put away these childish things, and so he throws away his bow ties and his, uh, I'm sure his green checked jacket. Yep. And uh, you know all his boy clothes, and then he gets. Well, yeah, because none of them are gonna fit him. He gets his adult clothes, and then busts into Perry White's office and demands a cigar. <laughs> takes a cigar, and. Not not just that, and, and, you know, and, and Perry White's down with it. Perry's like, "Yeah, here, have another cigar." So finally, Perry White relents, and he's like, "Ah," uh, he so he says, "I will give you a man's salary by Christmas." Now I'm going to assume that Christmas is not near. No. Well. These typically take place around when they're released, and if this is released in like June, June, yeah. So he, um, he, he, you know, of course, you know, as we all know, when we get our wishes, uh, it turns out that the thing that we wish for is ultimately our undoing. That is right. Uh, you know, and that you know when. So he goes to Lucy, and Lucy, and she, she tells says Lucy, to you, "You're too old for me." Right, like you know, you're not my. No, one doesn't say you're too old for me. He says you're not my type at all now, Daddy-o. So uh, you know. Well, no, she says you're not as cute as you so were. So <laughs> she she reverts back to being a kid by you know using the modern vernacular of Daddy-o. Well, that's so, pure condescension, right there. <laughs> so he becomes. A, so I guess also Perry White gave made him a full fledged yes. reporter and not a cub reporter, and then replaced the cub reporter with another redheaded teenager, right. another kid who looks almost exactly like Jimmy Olsen. He they yes. decided to He's get even wearing a bow tie. Yep. They found the other redheaded kid. redheaded kid in Metropolis. Yes, and uh, he got to take the place of. Jimmy and of course Jimmy is not pleased with this. Right. And so Superman shows up and decides that this is a a, a teachable moment. Right. And so he so Superman like shows up and was like, "Hey, thank I'm glad you called me." And he's like, "Why don't you give your watch your watch to the new kid to Wally Jones?" The new kid, because of course I can't be your pal anymore. Yep. Because now you you're are too a man. Old. You're too old. Right. So, 
And so now we have, of course, discovered that Jimmy, he doesn't like anything that's, that's going on. And so he, but gets sent out on a mission. No, he sent, well, he sends himself on it. He, he actually does some good reporting here. He does an excellent journalistic investigation. And he, once again, so in this opportunity, he goes to interview King Darna. Is yep. it King Darna? Yep. Yes. And so on the way, he, he jumps in the flying newsroom, and on the way, he runs into a drone testing Yes, a, 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 an Air Force, a U.S. Air Force test firing range just happens to be on the flight path between Metropolis and the the, the cruise liner where, Profe- where where King Dharma is coming to America. Shouldn't he know to avoid the military testing facility? You would think so, but I will just say once again, Jumbo Jones would know the flight path. Oh, Jumbo Jones! Oh, you kidding? <laughs> Are you kidding? Jumbo Jones. This is where, you know, we we, we, we feel the lack of Jumbo Jones more every issue, I think. <laughs> it's, I do too. Yeah, I agree. So, he... So, basically, because he kind of gets, he gets screwed up, Perry White fires him. Yes. And... Jimmy decides, oh no, this is all wrong. I need to go back. I'm going to take me and my pencil-thin mustache back to Professor Potter. And, and I'm also, going... But before we go, I, do, I just want to, again, as a footnote, notice that the drone planes are marked USAF drone. That is 50 years ahead of its time. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so he said, okay, he's like, you can take this experiment, you can take this antidote, but it's still experimental. Everything. Right, I was about to say, like yes. everything he makes. Literally everything. But he's he like, you know, I don't know what. experimental. He's like, I don't know what. He's like, I can't guarantee on like what is going to happen. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you could turn into a mouse. He's like, I don't care. It's better than what I'm doing right now. So he, he says it'll work rapidly, but he can't look because he's afraid he's going to be a mouse. But of course. A mouse runs by just yep. just as, as, as Professor Potter Jimmy opens his eyes, and he's like, "Oh my God, Jimmy, you're a mouse!" And the thing is, like, <laughs> I think I figured out that Jimmy Olsen's power is a coincidence. Mm, okay, yeah, because so much, you know, basically so much of a lot of the stories happens around precise things happening at, at precise at, moments right. when he's around. And this is one of those. And so, but you find out that, in fact, no, um, we, this is going to be, uh, no, Jimmy's okay. So Superman decided that this was going to be a teachable moment, and that he was going to trick Jimmy yep. into, you know, sh- to show him the error of his ways. And, and reversing the stupid thing. Right. So then also, at the very end, he goes back to the airport where he... Sees Lucy. Lucy and says, a boy like me should go out with cute young girls, so I won't pester you the next time you're in town, mommy-o. Yeah. And she says... You're you... gonna date me. Right. I'm not that old. Right. Wow. 
Well, she is. I have to say, you know, she is in charge of her sexuality. She is. She is. She um, owns. She owns her shallowness very well. So, which brings us to Jimmy Olsen's pen pals, and they, you know, this is everybody's favorite opportunity to tell the the writers, that the, they the writers and up. the artists, how they screwed things up. Yep, and. My favorite is the second one, where, you know, on the cover, it says, you know, Dear Editor, on the cover of your uh, June issue, Jimmy wears a red bow tie, but in the story, he wears a black tie. Did you goof? Betty Hook, Utica, Mississippi. The answer? Yep. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, that happens. You know, there are are color issues. It happens. Let it go. That's what I want to tell everybody. Yes, there will be times when you see... That there is a different color, and if it is, just let it go. It is, but it is part of the fanboy. Oh, I mindset. know. I mean, it, you've you've really you've, we shared a we shared a room when we were growing up for how long? So you know, people on the internet like to correct people. Yes. Well, actually, yes, they do. All right. So, um, <laughs> so and but another one is so somebody writes, and so there is some question as to whether or not. Uh, some of these written, some of these are written by actual people, actual people, or just written by the uh, the DC staff. Because like one of them has refers to once again refers to um, tell us about that Superman annual again. Mm-hmm. And then there's another one is like, hey, I love that Supergirl. Where can I see more of her? Hubba hubba. And um, so <laughs> there's like dope raid action comics. So, and then they said, uh, you will see her transformed into a bizarro Supergirl. All right. In the October issue. So, then it brings us to the, to the next page. The legendary Palisades Park ads. And then, of course, we have our stamps. Stamps. There, stamps. There is nothing interesting to say. I mean, it, it's all, it, as, you, as, you, as you pointed out, it's all a side effect of the... Collapse of the British Empire. Stamps, stampity, stamps, stamps, stamps. Which brings us to our final story. Stamps. No stamps. One day. Like Hold a... on, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> coming up to the microphone. Adjusting his glasses. Manufacturing his instrument. Your friend and mine. Father. Um, cooking person. One day. <laughs> Like a bolt, out of the blue, Daily Planet cub reporter Jimmy Olsen comes face-to-face with his double. But what a double. For this double has, for this creature, has the smiling, friendly face of Superman's pal. But underneath his human-like surface beats the metallic heart of a ruthless robot who believes the world isn't big enough for two Jimmys. To learn which Jimmy wins out, Read the amazing adventures of the monsters from Earth. Ladies and gentlemen, my dad and Uncle Michael with a pillow. <laughs> See, now you know how it feels. Um, and I should, if, if I may point out very quickly before we go on, one of the guys who writes this, according to your research, is Otto Binder. Yes. Gentleman named Otto Binder. I believe so, yeah. Otto Binder and his brother Earl were some of the, wrote the first robot science fiction there was a story called iRobot, which was not done by Isaac Asimov. 
He wrote the stories that inspired Isaac Asimov. So the fact that there is a robot in this story is kind of an interesting milestone in the, in the history of science fiction literature. Yes. And now we can continue. <laughs> well, that, you know, we also know it's, it's been well established here in uh, Superman, the Supermaniverse, that Superman is quite good. At building robots. Yes. He's building robots all the time. Right. But it, and, and, and obviously it's not just, as this story shows, it's not just Kryptonians. So in the first panel, we see Jimmy Olsen. He's tied up on a, tra- on a, on a chair. On a chair. And above him is the Jimmy Olsen robot. How do we know he's a robot? Because he's removed his chest panel to show that inside yes. he is in fact a robot for no reason really whatsoever. And we start on... A distant planet. So this is so it was established earlier that there is this planet that is run by horrible looking creatures that look kind of like robots Robot with brains. Monster creature things. And yes. he's and they find humans repulsive. Yes. As, you know, once again pointing to a previous Twilight Zone episode. Yep. Or future uh, Twilight Zone episode of the um, eye of the beholder. That's right. So it would seem that Jimmy Olsen, it was like one of the things they did was they brought Jimmy Olsen to their planet where they would make a horror movie of him, starring yes. Jimmy Olsen as the monster. And so as a result of that, his movies become wildly popular. Yes. And because they're wildly popular, they had to build a Jimmy Olsen, a Jimmy robot. Olsen robot. Because they got to make it... because. Every good movie gets a sequel, even, you know, on a planet millions of light years away. Right. So they show, they're showing the, the, the movie, they show a screening of the movie, they draw, and then you show that everybody is terrified, although we can't really see because we don't know, we don't, their, their faces are pretty much expressionless. All the same. Yeah. So uh, they build these robots, and... Well, they build a robot of, of Superman and of Jimmy Olsen. So they, because, so they basically say, we're saved! Because now we have, we have these two robots. They'll make all the movies for us. And, and then, then they dismember Superman. Right. They dis, then they realize that... So they shoot all the scenes with Superman, and then they decide that they're going to dismember... Because he's too horrible. ...the Superman robot. Jimmy Olsen decides that he needs... I'm sorry, Jimmy Olsen robot... Yes. ...decides, because instead of, I don't know... Making him like an animal animatronic that they can control. They made him. Or they gave him consciousness. They, they gave him consciousness because I guess because they had some spare consciousness hanging around. Oh, so no, that might be what those brains are. He decides Maybe. that he needs to get out of this place, and he's going to go back. So he opens a hole in the dimension, right? And well, he, shoots himself to Jimmy Olsen. Well, it, it's actually not quite. It, it it's not quite that straightforward because yes. The whole dimension gets opened when Jimmy does this, the watch thing under certain conditions. In order to get Jimmy to do the watch thing under certain conditions, he uses telepathy. Because mm-hmm. obviously, aside from getting, you know, consciousness, he got telepathic, hypnotic powers. Because robots do that, Maybe apparently. that's just how they make those robots on that. that and that, again, it could be a side effect of robotic technology. Right. So, you know, through this weird bit of duex machina robot jimmy olsen goes to our world to see the real jimmy olsen 
and he decides that oh, I... And it says he can hypnotize a lesser mind like Olsen's. So he's... Most accurate thing said so far in this issue. Let's face it, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy tries to run away. No, Jimmy first stuffs the robot in the, clom- the closet, but he breaks out of the closet. It's an odd bit of... Um, Through the wall, yes. He's in the closet. He comes out of the closet. Do your own math. So he... <laughs> So basically, you, he shows that, okay, I'm really super fast, and he, t- he subdues Jimmy Olsen and says, I'm going to go take over your life. And, and Jimmy Olsen's like, no. And then he's like, yeah. And then he interviews him for the entire day to figure out what all of the um, souvenirs are for so that he can perfectly pass as Jimmy Olsen. Right. And, um, you know, he shows all this different stuff. And then Lucy Lane shows up, and he decides that he's going to go with him to Lucy Lane. And and he breaks up with Lucy Lane. Right. Which should be a dead giveaway. And Because Jimmy is the most desperate oh, right. person on the planet and, when it comes to trying to keep Lucy. And why does he break up with Lucy Lane? Because he's a robot, and he has no heart. Yes. And because he has no heart... He doesn't need time for... He has no time for... for girls. For, yes. So he breaks up with Lucy Lane and basically kind of tries to screw up his life to become... Screw up his life before he kills the original Jimmy. Right. And then... So he may not be able to feel love, but he sure as heck will feel glee and sadism. So he then... After I hide you in the trophy room, I'll summon Superman to pick up this picture, but f- and but first autograph it. I remember you're saying Superman wanted an autographed picture, so he calls Superman. Superman shows up. He does autograph him. Get the picture. He does autograph the other picture, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. It is a it's a life size picture of Jimmy, of Jimmy Olsen. Olsen that he is autographing for Superman. And so he goes back to the fortress and Superman leaves and Robot Jimmy comes back and is like, see, I even fooled Superman. Okay, time to kill you now. I passed every test that I set for myself. And then Superman comes in and punches him into oblivion. Yeah, one right. punch. He one punches the robot. <laughs> and completely destroys him. And you find out that he got the message. And then he used his x-ray vision to see that he was, in fact, a robot. And then he, he killed him. Well, and we should, we should point out what the message was. The message was that he left out the R in friend and spelled it fiend. So he's like, okay, well, yeah. So I, I determined that it was a fiend and I figured it out. And because I'm Superman and I'm super smart. Yes. Yep. You know, he can, like, solve... He saw be is able to like solve a lot of riddles and problems and because he has like, a super brain. So why do we need Batman? <laughs> because Batman. Because Superman ultimately doesn't want to be Superman. He wants to be um, a real boy. Well, I don't think Batman wants to be Batman. No, Batman wants to be Superman. He um, wants the power of life and death. He wants to be a god. All right, but that's another podcast. That's another. That's <laughs> yes for not not to be discussed by me. Yes. All right, so. Then we have Frontier Cabin, 
We're in the home stretch. We've now read all three stories, and now we're in the home set stretch. Frontier cabin, big enough for two to three kids. It looks so cute. It's a dollar or five dollars for four. I'm going to guess. I want one. I think that Didn't these you guys are... used to have a playhouse about that big in your old house? No, not this big. No. Ours was bigger. Okay. Um, anyway, so I think that these are all made out of cardboard. They oh, have to be. Well, of, of course. But also, notice it says Frontier Cabin, special girls' playhouse now available. Because, you know, why would a girl want a log cabin? Right. And there's a boy posed in front of the log ca- the Frontier Cabin With in classic. Skin cap. In yep. classic sort of, is it? Davy Crockett. And no, who is Davy Crockett? Oh, Daniel Boone. Sorry. No, who is Daniel Boone? Who's the guy that played Daniel Boone all oh, the time? Oh, Fess Parker. Right. Who is Fess Parker, you know, dressed in classic Fess Parker style. You know, nobody talks about Daniel Boone anymore. Was it, is it because of the slaves? I think so. <laughs> and it, it plus, the reason it was so it was so pervasive in 50s culture, he was the first, like, media-driven, because it was a TV show. Right. And everyone had TV, you know, there were, everyone right. had TVs. There weren't very well, many broadcast outlets. Yeah. So what are you going to watch on a Tuesday night? Like the reason why Superman, like the reason why Jimmy Olsen exists, like Superman yes. pal Jimmy Olsen exists is because of Jack Larson. Jack being, Larson, that is correct. Uh, being the uh, Jimmy Olsen. So yep. anyway, so here, uh, you know, maintain the patriarchy by buying these frontier cabins and then That's get right. a special girls cabin. Yes. But, I'm sorry, girls playhouse because girls can't be in cabins. Right. Right? Right, El Plum? I like the regular cabin. <laughs> Nope, you can't have one. No. You just got to get the girls playhouse. Screw you. I'm getting the regular cabin. <laughs> All right. It's you, a, it's you, a, go, you go. <laughs> so. Get on with your bad self. So then we have 204 Revolutionary War soldiers. Oddly specific number. I Oddly so. specific. For only $1.98. I always wished as a child that I had gotten these. I think somebody, and, and I want to say that somebody once told me that they were they were never, of course, you know, they're never as good as you think they are. No. But you still want them. I still wanted them. Well, I loved, I always, I mean, it's got to be the same company that made it. They always had, like, the footlocker full of right, stuff. Right, 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 yeah. right. So uh, this, you have two complete armies. Here's what you get. 30 dragoons, cavalrymen. Ooh, that was who Samuel Whitmore was. Right. 12 shooting infantrymen, 12 marching infantrymen. 12 crouching. crouching infantrymen. Wow, so you get infantrymen in all kinds of positions. 12 fifers. That's a lot of fighting. 12 well, very important part of the, you know, the, that era. 12 charging infantrymen, 12 sharpshooters, 12 field cannons, 12 cannon loaders, cannon loaders 12 drummers, 12 minute minute minutemen, 12 mohawk... 24. 24 mohawk oh, Indians... Twelve officers and twelve Hessian troops. So it seems that uh, those were the mercenaries. Yes, right? they, the, the Hessians were German mercenaries working for the British. Yep. So um, apparently, though they they they, they loved uh, multiples of twelve over there at the company. Yes. So except for the dragoons, all the rest of them are. I, I, I would hazard a guess that was because each like set of molds probably had twelve places in them. And also, they also really loved, you know, apparently Mohawk Indians. Yes. Because they had to have more than them. And they want to make sure that the infantrymen are in all poses. Right. 
All right, so uh, then it brings us to Steven's credit sales. Would you, do you want spending money? Sell these popular patriotic and religious mottos. Still only religious. No patriotic at all. Still waiting on the patriotic ones. Makes you wonder. Steven's credit sales. And I was once, it does make me wonder. So is it, they're racist? Is that why? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, maybe Jeff Sessions sold a lot of, Um, and he got the whole religious and, but that's a little too political. So we'll stop. So then (laughs) we have, uh, so then there's the genuine signet ring. If you can identify Lincoln, Grant, Roosevelt, and Washington, Washington, you get a signet ring and the opportunity to sell Cloverine Salve. Yes. Why not? So, and then that brings us to the... I liked it better when they gave you archery targets. (laughs) Well, I think there is a catalog in there that tells you if you sell enough stuff. If you sell enough salves, you can get the... But I guess this is like... That ad was also more colorful. This is all about the signet ring. This just looks boring. And then you can, uh, last on the last page, it says, sample a new nature hobby for you and your family sponsored by the National Audubon Association. Society, not association. I'm sorry. So the National Audubon Society wants you to be into, uh, take a thrilling tour of the age of dinosaurs. So it is basically an entire kit. For only 10 cents. Of pictures and books all about the dinosaurs and how great they were, and I can I, I think that's a great thing. Totally happened. One of those three foot blow up dinosaurs. Well, oh, I haven't yes. seen those in quite some time. All right, so that brings us to the end of issue forty seven. I would like to thank you all for listening. I would like to thank uh, my brother, noted crackpot Mike Chaplinsky, like for. That coming and joining us today well I, it was it was truly an honor and a pleasure because i don't get to see you guys but how many at best i see you what twice a year in person something like that yeah mm-hmm. and you know this way when i listen to this podcast i really do feel close to you guys but being in the same room as you that makes it so much better it really does oh good Yay. once again thank you to the spin doctors for not suing us Yay. still waiting Still waiting on the cease and desist letter. Hasn't happened yet. You know, and if anybody knows the Spin Doctors, you can tell them. I, you know, it would it'd be nice to have it decided one way or another. One would presume um, they would like the show because, you know, they wrote a song about Superman. So they must be a fan a of comic books. No, no. Olsen. They wrote a song about Jimmy Olsen. The song is it was specifically about... It's Jim- oh, I did not know that. The name of the song it. is Jimmy Olsen Blues. By the ah. way, um, just to let you all know, uh, the song in the beginning, the I think it's five seconds of song that is in the beginning and the end of this podcast yes. is uh, the Spin Doctors' Jimmy Olsen Blues because it is, I think, perhaps the only popular song in recorded history about Jimmy, about Olsen. Jimmy Olsen. So how could I not? Exactly. And I, well, I guess also because also I have no musical ability whatsoever, so I can't. Yeah. All right. So um, once again, thank you. Uh, if you are so inclined, it would be lovely if you could go to your favorite podcast app and write us a review. Also, um, if you could tell one person you know about one of the stories that you have heard here on Superman's Pal Jimmy Olsen. Have you, have you done that? Uh, yes. I have done as, yes, several times. In fact, I periodically will post like a link when you have a new episode or if it's really cool. You know, I've done my best. So which ones are the not cool ones? 
The um, racist and sexist ones. Well, no, I see. All right, I think those are cool, but not for the not because of the ra- not because of the racism and sexism. Because we're pointing out the you racism. pointed out, and it's a good way to show people that you know this is how we used to be, and let's not do this anymore. Yes, and in this day, as bad as things can be today, you do serve to point out. Okay, at least we're not there. Um, so there's a value to that. Well, thank you. And so once again. One person you know, one of the stories here that you have heard on Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, it would be greatly appreciated. So, uh, El Plum, do you Support your local roller derby. Yay. So. If you're going back to school, good luck. Uh, That's right. So, I guess all we have to say at this time is, uh, I am Gary Rowland. I'm El Plum Rowland. And I am Mike Chaplinski. And we say, soup. Superman away? Away! Yeah!